Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's show of shows, we're talking if Pacific Rim can have another uprising at the box office. Daniel Bryan's return to WWE, Captain America's exit from the MCU, and what would our life be like without pop culture? All this and more as we reach our next stop. The PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back for another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. want to thank you for checking in with us each and every week. We truly appreciate it. But wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is the creator, the mastermind, and the all-in-one great guy of Humanica Media. You got to check out their great stuff today at HumanicaMedia.com. Also on YouTube, Podbean, and Apple Podcasts, it's Josh Peterson. What's going on, my friend? Just uh, putting these top one, these top lists together. Thank you to those of you who have submitted yours. We much appreciate it. Well, the results here soon. Absolutely, indeed. We want to thank everybody who, in the past couple days, has contributed with their top ten lists for the best video games of all time. We're compiling a list right now as far as what the top video games of all time, in your opinion out there, is. And we'll throw some of our tidbits in in there as well. We're going to be creating this huge master list that we're going to be actually showcasing very soon in the near future up on our site. Plus also as well, we're going to be doing a breakdown of it in future episodes of the Pop Culture Cosmos and PCC Multiverse as well. Well, it's going to be a great show we have for you out there today. We've got Rob McCallum standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire. We're going to go mano y mano in the Cosmic Crossfire over God of War and how we have differing opinions on exactly what we're excited for and not so excited for when it comes out to this impending blockbuster coming to the PlayStation 4. Plus, also as well, we've got Billy Donnelly of Intelligent Wrestling Conversations He's going to be talking to me about the return of Daniel Bryan to the WWE and World Wrestling Entertainment rings. Is it the right thing for him to come back to the ring? Yes, 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 or no. We're going to be talking about that and a little bit more in regards to the Daniel Bryan situation coming up a little bit later in the show as well. 
Plus, Josh and I are going to be talking about Captain America's impending exit out of the MCU and also as well what our lives would be like without pop culture. But Josh, first off, it's another great weekend at the box office. We might actually, at the end of it, have a brand new box office champion here domestically as Pacific Rim Uprising debuts in theaters. In fact, I'm sure it's going to be doing great overseas. It probably will do very, very strong once again as the first movie did in China and overseas as well. It should do very well. But here in the States, we've kind of got a mixed bag. The reviews are kind of mixed as well. It's still targeting around what Tomb Raider did last week at around $25 million, which should still be enough to overtake Black Panther as the number one movie here in the States. So I ask you, Josh, what are your thoughts on Pacific Rim Uprising, a movie which we thought might not get made because of the fact that it didn't really resonate with a North American audience? I mean, I'm, I'm glad it exists. I'm going to go see it. It was weird. I liked the first one and I didn't like the first one. And then at first, like I wasn't sold on seeing the the new one. And then, you know, with each trailer they made for it, I kind of got more into the idea of going to see it. So I'm, you know, I might go check it out this weekend. But, you know, it's got giant monsters fighting giant robots. And like, it, you know, people shouldn't really expect much of a story from that, but just expect to go in and be entertained. And I think that, you know, right now in this in between uh, Black Panther and Avengers, that's all you can really ask for is to go see a movie that entertains you. And I, you know, I, I hope it does well. I, I, I mean, ho- I hope it does decent numbers enough to, uh, I don't know, garner not garner a sequel, or maybe it will, but just enough to, uh, you know, make a make make the movies worth going to for people. Well, I'm worried about a lot of recycled uh, formulas that they already use in the previous Pacific Rim iteration. I know a lot of the reviews have, have pretty much said as much, not finding anything truly original in the sequel that, that stands out. Uh, John Boyega is the star of this one, taking over the reins of what was previously a, a different star set as far as the top stars are concerned. Is that uh, going to be something that might actually gain a better interest for you with John Boyega? Obviously, coming off the fame from the Star Wars movies. Is that something that might endear you more to go and see the movie Pacific Rim Uprising this weekend? Or is it just the fact that, like you said, it's just more monsters battling much more robots and destroying more cities in return? Uh, I'm not like huge on the John Boyega bandwagon. I, I He was good in Star Wars, but I just was not you know, I'm not like overly impressed with him. Like I'm, I wasn't as impressed with his acting as say I was when I first saw Sam Worthington. And I was like, you know, that guy's going to be huge. And then he sold the soul to James Cameron and he wasn't, you know, John Boyega is cool. I, I would have much rather saw, you know, what happened to um, what's his name's character, Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, I would have much rather saw what happened to him, but I get it. You know, he's busy doing uh, I think it's King Arthur when I was shooting. But look at it this way. It's basically a mashup of two movies that have literally no like evolved plot at all. It's a mashup of Transformers and the Godzilla series. So neither of those two movies has any like plot development at all, yet people still go flock to see them. So I, for one, am super curious about how this is going to do in terms of box office numbers, because I know the last one everyone kept saying, oh, that was stupid, but it actually did it did decently. Right. It didn't. I mean, obviously, it didn't have to garner a sequel. 
but just barely enough in my opinion like i said domestically it did okay i think right around the 100 million mark but it really scored well in china and i think that's what they're basing it off of this time around right and you know it does the, the critics of course the critics are gonna kind of bash this movie and say oh there's no plot or whatever because it's not their it's not their style movie you know i was thinking about this the other day i'm gonna start doing reviews on critic reviews i just i, I feel like somebody needs to uh needs to take that march but no, this is this is going to be one of those movies that you just go to to be entertained. And like this is everybody's childhood dream is giant robots fighting giant monsters. It's like every kid who ever grew up watching Robotech or Gundam, you know, they're going to be the ones that that go to see this movie. This is the movie that's made for them. Well, I definitely liked the first one. But Guillermo del Toro coming off the shape of water, he is back in a producer role for this one so definitely a lot of people are excited to see his involvement still with this series that being said if it does more than 25 million dollars here in north america then it should become a win for the actual movie itself because i think it will still do very strong numbers overseas and that could necessitate a third movie if that should should materialize, but we'll have to wait and see. It still comes in between. It's it's being sandwiched like we talked about last week in that triplet of movies each week, which are have uh, I'd say maybe double A, not not full blown triple A blockbusters. But we saw last week with Tomb Raider. Now we've got Pacific Rim Uprising, and next week Ready Player One. One of those movies should break out as far as being a decent hit. My money's still on Ready Player One, but Pacific Rim Uprising, if it scores really big overseas, it could actually be the one of those three that actually comes out on top. Right, and let's not forget that Avengers was originally scheduled to come out a week later, so I don't know if they were, you know, they were planning on that. But you know, like I said with Tomb Raider, it's just nice to see a non Disney Marvel Lucasfilm property kind of capture the imagination of audiences because we're gonna reach a point you know, I've, I've said this before, we're going to reach a point where not only is Disney going to be monopolizing here, but you're going to have a, a period where one of their movies, box office numbers are going to keep flowing into the next release by them and so on and so forth. So it's just refreshing to see a movie hopefully hit well with audiences, whether it's going to be this one or Ready Player One. It's just going to be nice to see you know, there is somebody that can stand up against the might of Disney. That hopefully will play out indeed with at least one of these movies that will become a hit. Like I said, I think Ready Player One will be just that hit. But Pacific Rim Uprising, with the fact that it's already a well-known sequel to a movie that did okay at the box office the first time around, could do even better this time around, especially if it hits big overseas. So we'll have to wait and see what happens, and we'll definitely give you the scorecard on what happens on our Monday show and, and have the uh, fallout or Monday morning quarterback on Pacific Rim Uprising as it hits theaters this weekend. What are your thoughts on Pacific Rim Uprising? Are you going to catch it at the theaters? Are you going to wait until home video? Are you even interested that this kaiju movie is going to be coming out at all? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, also as well, popculturecosmos, humanica media and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, like I said, we've got a great show for everyone out there today. We've got Rob McCallum standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire. 
Plus, also as well, we've got Billy Donnelly from Intelligent Wrestling Conversation. He's going to talk to me a little bit later about Daniel Bryan. And we're also going to be chatting about Captain America and a lot more. But first, we've got our good friend, Chad. He is the man behind Hyperschmidt. And this is After All. And this is the PCC Multiverse. Where you are, oh, I would not change a thing. You were dear, you were flawless. Will you fix my broken wing? On a ledge, can you see what you know you're looking for? I am sure I've forgotten. Once again, I lost my goal. In my problems, I feel small. It's the climb of
You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hey everyone, it's Rob McCallum and I'm back with a new series that centers on the world of crowdfunding. I call it Backed or Busted. It's real simple. Every week I take a Shark Tank-like look at live campaigns on Kickstarter and Indiegogo and determine if they should be backed or if they're busted. If they should be backed, then I invest in the project, plunk down real money, and become a backer. If the project doesn't cut it, then it gets no love from me and I label it busted for the entire world to see. In addition, you'll discover amazing new projects, inventive products, creative endeavors, and you'll see what works and what doesn't work in the multi-billion dollar crowdfunding industry that makes turning your dream project into a reality more than possible. So check out Backed or Busted episodes at facebook.com slash backed or busted crowdfunding. And if you want me to help your campaign become truly awesome, send me a message. That's Backed or Busted at facebook.com slash backed or busted crowdfunding. And we're back with the program. It is Gerald Glassford from the Pop Culture Cosmos. And yes, it is time once again for another magical installment of The Cosmic Crossfire. And who better to do a Cosmic Crossfire with me than my good friend. He is the man, the myth, the legend behind Rob McCallum Films. You got to check out all of his great stuff going on today at robmccallumfilms.com. It is Rob McCallum. What's going on, my friend? Uh, life is good. What can I say? We've got lots going on in the hopper, as I'm sure you read from the different posts that we have on RobMcCallumFilms.com. We're only 10 days away from uh, releasing Kitty Origins Evolutions, which is really excited. We've had tons of press for that as well. Morgan and Mercedes have been on Billboard.com. They've been on SiriusXM. They've been Metal Injection, like everywhere. And uh, it was actually mentioned uh, on the Bill Simmons podcast as well. So that was pretty cool to to kind of hear the world of heavy metal get dropped on in the world of sports uh, with something that I was actually attached to. So pretty excited about that, to be honest. And it's actually a good thing now, like you said, with a lot of premier documentaries coming out, yours, which is the Kitty documentary, which you can get on March 30th. Please, if you can, pre-order today or when it comes out, pick it up if you are a fan of the heavy metal genre or even as far as good storytelling from a documentary status, and you'd like a, really to follow a great documentary, I cannot recommend it any higher. Let's go with the Kitty documentary, indeed, starting, like I said, available on the 30th. But I am here talking a lot about pop culture. So, Rob, pray tell, what's on your mind when it comes to pop culture? Well, I got to dip back into my bag of tricks on what's going on with Rob McCallum Films and myself just before we segue into this stuff because it is pop culture related. We've been talking about box art now for, you know, the better part of a year and a half, and we finally got a trailer cut. We have to do a little bit of motion graphic work on it, but I believe I even sent it your way, Gerald. From what I've seen so far of it, and it is does remind me of, of a lot of stuff that, that you've done in the past. It does have a little bit of Rob McCallum familiarity for me because I have seen a, a few of your projects now, which uh, I'm all the better for because all of your projects so far, to in my opinion, have been very, very 
good viewing as far as from a documentary standpoint. It looks like it's shaping up quite nicely. I was talking to Douglas Hoyabu from Retro City Games, uh, one of the, the people helping you out with this project. And Just uh, helping. He's a producer on it. I mean, he's a part of the ownership team. Him, Nicole, and myself went on it as uh, kind of like the, the three pillars of awesomeness, the Triforce, if you will. Well, he was telling me you know, he's just so excited for the upcoming project and he just wants to do everything he can to be a part of this and help help make this happen and come to fruition as far as some great things. And he was just so excited. He just he wants to do more. He wants to help you out as best he can, but he knows he needs to leave it up to the master. Even that, it's, we're just in a position where it's all about editing and, and shaping and sculpting. And I said, Doug, you know, the, the thing that you can do the most when it comes to Box art, our, our docu series that's going to be six episodes that looks at the cover illustrators and the people responsible for our favorite classic gaming covers from the PC world, Atari, through, of course, the, the golden Nintendo Genesis age to, to now. The thing you can do is basically just look at the cuts that I'm sending you and give me some feedback. That's, that's kind of all that we can do at this point. He's excited to do that, and I was glad to see his enthusiasm. He kept talking about it at length, and I was just so happy for him. And then Nicole uh, made, made sure to talk to me about it as well. And I can sense her excitement in it. And I'm just happy for the three of you that, that this project is going forward and that it definitely will come to light, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. Obviously, nothing definitive on a release date yet. You're still getting everything going down. But definitely, it looks like something magical is happening with box art indeed. Yeah, we're, we're set to deliver for all our backers in December, and now the only things that are going to kind of push and pull that date and that kind of time period are distribution possibilities, uh, legal, which is always out of our hand, and we're dealing with IP that we don't own, of course, the Rob McCallum staple, and any kind of motion graphics or post-production work that we're doing. And as we kind of unveil this trailer, and we know we got to do motion graphics and a little bit of sizzle, a little bit of spice to it, we, we have a bit of a better idea of what each episode might need as well. So the trailers are really nice microcosm for everything that's going on in the series but uh yeah it's exciting to be excited about it again and kind of find that perspective to dive in and, and what to talk about and what to showcase and to see everybody's reaction we shared it internally with uh, with the group and i you know i didn't know what people would think <laughs> call me a pessimist but i just wasn't sure if people would like it and everybody like overwhelmingly came back saying, "No, oh, this is cool this is not what i thought it would be but this is exactly what i hoped it would be which is always a strange comment to get but excited about that and in, and in similar news i've been cutting the trailer for power of grayskull now that film and that whole life cycle for for the documentary on He-Man, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters Universe, happened in reverse. We cut the film. It wasn't even like a full final cut. We managed to sell it. We have a couple of different distributors on on board to, uh, for varying windows and handling different aspects of the film. And we had it all sold before we even had to cut a trailer. Usually you cut a trailer for a film first to get the attention. You only want two minutes of someone's time. And if they like it, then they'll watch the whole film. We got them to watch the whole film first, and then we were stuck without a trailer. So I said to the guys, you know, I've got a little bit of time. I just finished cutting the, the boxer trailer. I'm kind of in the trailer mood. I'm ready to get going on this. Let me take a crack at it. And I was able to get something that was really good. And, you know, we had tried doing trailers before, and it just it didn't quite feel right. But we had some time away, some objectivity. And I think we're kind of heading in a direction that finally feels good and, and serves the film well. So... Be on the lookout for that, hopefully, in the next month or two as we, again, lay a little bit of polish and sizzle and spice on that, too. Let's turn our attention to some video games. There was an article on The Hollywood Reporter that talks about the God of War game that's coming out in April. And it says, God of War offers the most cinematic game experience yet. 
Is this what we want in a game? How many years have we said, when I play a game, I don't want to sit down and watch a movie? And yet, the next God of War game, which you know Sony has pumped a lot of money into, and they're taking a little bit of a different turn, and there's not too many nods to the, the, the previous games, has gone in the full-on cinematic route once more. Is this what we want? Compare and contrast to the hype for God of War that Burnout Paradise Remastered received, which is not cinematic at all. It is start, ram into things, get going, arcade frenzy, and it was seemed to be just as popular or buzzed about, just maybe not the price point, but just excited about in terms of, you know, what do we want to play as God of War, which may get sour now, given that it's a cinematic game. Do you really want me to ask me that question? You're, you're so excited for it, aren't you? You're so excited, I can tell. Well, you see me right behind me. You've got Nathan Drake and Shepard, both from games that have tried to incorporate cinematic themes within the structure of their games. And they are happen to be two of my more favorite games as far as that's concerned. And to me, I am excited about it. And I am more drawn to it because of that fact. In fact, the early reviews, uh, as far as people, that, you know, not full reviews, but people that have been able to actually get their hands on the game as far as in the early going that are able to go ahead and comment on it, have spoke glowingly about the initial findings of the game and as far as the story being extremely compelling. And that's something we haven't had in a little while. It's an extremely compelling story. Probably the last thing you, maybe because is the the latest Wolfenstein, which was came out, you know, obviously at the end of October. So it's it's nice to see for me that something that there's going to be something more cinematic, more focused on storytelling, and not just rinse repeat combo 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 rinse repeat for me. So uh, I mean, as someone who's been you know, you know playing a little bit of Fortnite, playing a little bit of other games, and getting into Sea of Thieves here a little bit, uh, I just think it's actually very cool that. There's actually going to be a cinematic game that might draw me in even more than I ever have been to the God of War series before. I guess I'm just completely turned off as a guy who doesn't have a lot of time and that when I want to play a game, I want to play a game. And I hear the demos they were showing were showcasing the first three hours of the game, which barely scratched the surface. It's just such an off-putting marketing play and i get that it appeals to some crazy people like yourself and you know i own rpgs that are 70 hours long and i can get excited by those but when it comes to a new game and if i'm going to decide if i'm going to plunk my money down i want to be able to play this and i and i know a good very good friend of mine justin Schoenrock, who lives and breathes god of war so i'm gonna go i, I can't wait for this to come out because i want to ask him what he thinks of god of war and and how it kind of lives up to the the experience uh, I just it just doesn't do it for me. the The Hollywood Report article you can search it out there. It's on the it's under their tech banner. It talks about how the script is great. How Kratos you know has gone from a two dimensional three dimensional character. The introduction of his son has changed how he is and the choices that he makes. And the fact that there are choices and that's all great. I just I don't know. God of War has always been a, a hack and slash beat em up, and this isn't like necessarily like what they've done for Tomb Raider, where they re envisioned it as a, as a different kind of franchise. This is a continuation, so it just feels maybe like the wrong step for me actually i think it's quite the opposite because kratos has been nothing but a two-dimensional character raw raw i'm mad at that's the gods i'm mad at the gods raw 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 slash slash you know whatnot now it's something that's that's more f- fleshed out his story is, is something that a lot of people that 
outside of just people you know wanting to play the game now may follow and may have interest in i mean why are people drawn to the uncharted franchise why has it sold so many million i don't know that is a question for an entire episode on i'm just kidding i like uncharted so you like uncharted because it tells a great narrative and massive mass effect same thing you know they're and they're right behind me I I i haven't played mass effect i have them i haven't played it but Uncharted, from what I oh, the, I don't know, this this interview may be over. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I know. Heaven forbid, I don't play a game that you love. I get it. I get it. But I didn't find the cinematics in any of the Uncharted games. I haven't played the fourth one, so that might be the exception. I haven't haven't played it. Well, it's uh, not. Uh, I will tell you this. Uh, it's it has a lot of nice things about it, but it is not quite up to a couple of the other installments in the series. It's just a little long on that one. I didn't. I didn't feel that any of the cinematic stuff in the Uncharted series was particularly long or over the head, or at least had a lighter tone to it, so that you could get through it. In that Indiana Jones, like, oh, what is this about? With God of War, with Tomb Raider, it's always so dark and gritty and overbearing, and uh, same like The Last of Us. Oh my God! Like, I don't want to sit down and, and escape reality to be put in something that just depresses me more and makes me want to escape it to get back to my life. I don't want that. That's what made the first original Tomb Raider reboot uh, so great is that it showed a different side of Lara that, than we had come down. But the problem with that is it's dependent upon the, the, the original version of the game for that success. If Tomb Raider had come out and the, in the previous iter- incarnations of Tomb Raider didn't exist, I don't think it would have done as well as it had done because it had nothing to compare and contrast to. I just think, like I said, to me, telling a narrative in games is important to me and but no it doesn't have to be in every game no i'm not saying that there isn't a role for a narrative when i play fortnite battle royale i'm not looking for a narrative i'm looking just to go ahead and do what i can to survive you know you, that's you what like you Fortnite more if there were cinematics in it no but i would like god of war if it does have cinematics in it you see i think you need to examine why you like one versus the other and how cinematics couldn't help fortnite that's what i think you need to consider no it's just a different taste for different games and how you like to see them structured Different strokes for different folks. If you want to ask Rob or me a question for the Cosmic Crossfire, feel free to do so by just shouting us out. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, GameSource, and Rob McCallum Films on Facebook. Rob McZob on Twitter. Rob, as always, it's great having you on. And and, uh, tell you what, it's always great having you a part of the Cosmic Crossfire, and, of course, the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast as always and cannot thank you enough for doing so. If you want to help us out with our feature on the top video games of all time, send us your list. Here's how you do it. Send us your top 10 list. Not your one, not your five, but your top 10 list in order, either 1 to 10 or 10 to 1, and send it to us anytime in the next couple weeks here, either to popculturecosmos at yahoo.com or popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, or Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. You can send it to us any one of those three ways. 
your thoughts on the top video games of all time. We're going to have a feature on that coming up real soon. If you want to listen to our show and you're, you're not sure exactly always where to hit our show up at, we're on seven days a week on online radio. We've got our great friends at Airwave Radio in the UK, Good Talk Radio out of Arizona, Croc Radio out of Canada, Grey Cloud Radio, the Podcast Radio Network, Western Reserve Digital Broadcasting. you got to give all their, their stuff a great try as well because they're a great station. And also IPM Nation and their IPM Nation One channel. you got to listen to them as well when it comes on Mondays and Fridays. So if you want to check the days, because, again, we're playing on online radio seven days a week, you just check our homepage on Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos. Plus, if you want to go ahead and subscribe today on any one of these channels and download our shows, you can do so because we're available to download at any point in time. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, the Weeby Geeks Network, Gunna Geek Network, ESO Network, Tangemount Network, Podchaser, Podbean, Anchor FM, Mixcloud, and Overt. Well, I counted at least 25, possibly even 30 different podcast networks where you can get our program even more than that if if it catches all the itunes and apple podcast stuff and if you download our shows our downloadable shows always have extra content just for listening whether it's humanica media voice from the underground something from rob mccallum or a lot of other sources we just like to throw in some extra stuff to say thank you for downloading our program josh you got a great thing going on with humanica media so tell me please What's going on with your great concept known as Humanica Media? Yes. So a new episode of What About This just came out yesterday. A new episode of Topic Ocalypse dropped this morning. And there's going to be a new episode of Super BS probably going out here within the next 11 minutes if my friend Brian is on time. So definitely check all of those out as well as our uh, show on the Podcast Radio Network every Tuesday. At uh, 6.30, 5.30, what time is it on? Well, I thought it was at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, but sometimes he does play you earlier at the Podcast Radio Network, so check local listings at their Facebook page, the Podcast Radio Network, where you'll also find the listings for our Monday and Friday shows, the Pop Culture Cosmos show, usually 10.30 p.m. Eastern, also as well on Fridays, the PCC Multiverse at 7 p.m. Eastern. We always want to check just to make sure. So, Josh, I know you got wind of this, as did I. Chris Evans, in recent interviews in the New York Times, and it was like put out everywhere in the universe right afterwards, has already talked about how he has finished filming his final scenes as an Avenger, as Captain America, barring any reshoots later this fall for the second avengers movie coming in 2019 which would actually be avengers 4 he pretty much indicated in that interview that he looks like he's going to be hanging up his contract is finito and he said he didn't want to become too old for it where they had to drag him out he said he wanted to get out while the getting's good and all that which is fine kumbaya but i ask you josh is he really leaving the mcu and is captain america actually going to be finished as an entity within the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Uh, you know, it's the MCU. They can always bring him back, but I, I get where he's coming from. He's actually a very talented uh, writer-director. 
I don't know if you've seen any of his indie stuff on Netflix, but he's he's got a lot of talent. And I think that this is going to give him time to kind of pursue those other passions and kind of show the world that he's more than just a superhero. But we don't know how things are going to play out in Avengers 4. They're, you know, are they going to kill him? Are they going to uh, do some kind of weird time warp or whatever happens? It seems like it would be foolish to make it so he can't come back just because, you know, like we were discussing before the show, if the Marvel films ever did reach a place where they started to get stagnant, they could just say, hey, we're bringing, you know, Iron Man or Captain America back. And that would get crowds back into the movie theaters. But he can't play him forever. You know, we got so much, especially with Infinity War, we're going to have so many heroes going into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, you know, we have uh, Sebastian Stan, who's still contracted i want to say for another four movies so i can see him picking up the mantle of captain america and then you know everyone's comparing brie larson's captain marvel to captain america so maybe she's going to be the next team leader i think we're just what we're seeing what we're going to see after infinity war and avengers 4 is a complete breakdown of the the structure of the mcu as we know it and re and a building of new teams if you're a comic book fan i would compare it to maybe Avengers disassembled. You know, we lost Iron Man went through some stuff. We lost Thor for a long time until after Civil War. Captain America disappeared. We had the the new Avengers lineup which had, you know, Spider-Man, Wolverine, so on and so forth. And that was just the new team of the Avengers for a while. And I think that's what we're going to be be seeing here. And Sebastian Stan, you know, he chances are he's going to take up the mantle of Captain America or they're going to be incorporating him more into the Black Panther world. We don't really know this yet. But we're just we're going to see new teams and we can't have, you know, you shouldn't expect to see as much as I love Captain America, Iron Man, all those guys. I hope to see Thor, you know, stick around maybe for a bit. But as much as we love these characters, in order for the the MCU to evolve, especially after, you know, 2021 movies, we're going to need to see some new blood on the screen, even if that means putting some characters on the shelf for just a a little bit. Let's hope that either Captain Marvel, Captain America, or Iron Man, or or there'll be some type of entity we can actually embrace just as well as, as Chris Evans in Captain America down the road. And let's hope that this works out for those watching the Marvel Cinematic Universe going forward after Avengers 4 in 2019. What are your thoughts on Chris Evans leaving the Captain America role in the Marvel Cinematic Universe He's pretty much said it is time for him to leave. Are you happy with it? Are you kind of sad like we are? Do you think it's a good move? Or do you think that something should be done to hopefully keep him in the role or or keep at least Captain America a vital part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanic media, Facebook and Twitter as well. When we return, we've got Billy Donnelly from Intelligent Wrestling Conversations to talk Daniel Bryan's return to a WWE ring. Is it the right move for him and the WWE? We're going to share our thoughts on that. And also as well later in the broadcast, what if there was no such thing as pop culture in our lives? What would we be doing? We're going to answer that question when we come back later on the program. This is the PCC Multiverse. On March 30th, get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McGallum. 
thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Pre-order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. Kitty Origins Evolutions drops March 30th, 2018. And we're back on the air. It's Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. Thank you so much for sticking around and listening in to us on the show here. One thing that came out of nowhere this week in the realm of pop culture, it came from the world of professional wrestling. Daniel Bryan, one of the biggest stars of, of maybe the past few years of the WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment, recently announced that he is coming back to the WWE Squared Circle, which is kind of uh, you know a little bit out there because for the past two years, the WWE has blocked his return to the ring due to complications, what they deemed from concussion-related injuries. He's gone all over the country getting support from neurological experts, getting that sign that, yeah, he was good, he was okay, but the WWE was blocking with with their doctors saying that it wasn't quite enough at this point in time. Well, what changed? I have those questions, and I know a lot of people out there have those questions as well. And who better to help me try and, and figure this out but a good friend of ours, Billy Donnelly from Intelligent Wrestling Conversation. Billy, it's great to have you back on the program. What's going on, man? Good to be here. If you really want a show that breaks down the professional wrestling scene, you got to check out Intelligent Wrestling Conversation today on SoundCloud, iTunes, and it's so many other outlets. In fact, their latest episode actually delves into the Daniel Bryan issue as far as him coming back into the ring. So first off, before I, I go more into detail as far as my thoughts, I want to hear what you think about Daniel Bryan coming back to a WWE ring. I mean, it's amazing. This was never supposed to happen, really. So usually when you're you're forced into a medical retirement uh, in the world of professional wrestling, you stay medically retired. Uh, you know, we've had situations in the past where people have, have had to uh, hang up their boots, uh, so to speak, because the doctors said that it was not within their best interests, their personal health to continue, and they could not be medically cleared. And Daniel Bryan was one of those situations where due to head injuries and, and concussion-related injuries, the the WWE would not medically clear him to compete. And as you mentioned two years ago, he was sort of forced to retire. So he has, uh, over those two years, really fought to show that he is able to compete. He has sort of gone to uh, specialists and neurologists and basically everyone that he possibly can uh, to examine his case and to examine him to see where along the lines he may be. So, yeah, I mean, I'm super excited. Daniel Bryan was one of my favorite guys in, in, in recent history. He's very organic uh, in the way that he came together, especially in the WWE universe, uh, as, as sort of the guy that that we were told we couldn't have, and we made it happen. So 
so yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really excited. I'm ha- I'm really happy for him because I know that he had uh, a lot of struggles with the fact that he couldn't do this thing that he loved so much anymore. He faced a, a lot of depression and a lot of anger and a lot of frustration as a result. And you know, and being and also being around it while uh, while your friends are still able to do it, while your peers are still able to do it, you know that's that's got to be incredibly difficult. So so while I'm I'm happy for me as a fan to be able to see this again, I'm truly happy for him to be able to to go back to this thing that he's loved so passionately. There was a reason why WWE doctors kept him out of the ring for two years whether it be based off the current concussion-related lawsuit that they're going through with several wrestlers or for any other reasons, there was a reason why he was out for two years and there was a lot of trepidation for him ever coming back into the ring at all. I mean, I'll agree with you to to a degree because as, as much as I love Daniel Bryan uh, as a fan, watching him as a, as a professional wrestler, I don't want to see anyone put their their health or their life in danger for my entertainment. So, you know, while other people are, are a bit more rabid in what it is that they want to see in the ring, I understand that this is another human being. He is a father. Uh, he is a husband. And so I want to see him go on and have a good quality of life from here on out and, and not run into medical issues down the line. That said, I mean, the... The brain is a funny thing because there, there's not a lot that we have known about it to this point. We continue to learn more and more every day, you know, as we've seen sort of uh, with the NFL and their concussion protocols and CTE, their approach to head injuries is far more elaborate than it once was. So, you know, the WWE... They were essentially uh, protecting Daniel Bryan from himself to a, to a degree, but also, I mean, let's face it, they're 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 a corporation, so they're also protecting themselves. So they did face some sort of concussion and CT litigation in the past, most of which they came out uh, on top in, and they've also, I mean, they have also, to their credit, especially in this Daniel Bryan situation, they have been really careful with what it is that they want to do. So while Daniel Bryan had been cleared in the past by other doctors and other neurologists, the WWE was sort of the last shoe to drop. Now, look, there is this sort of cynical perspective that you know, maybe he got cleared now because uh, there there was the prospect of him leaving. Uh, I know in, in interviews he basically said if he had ne- if he had not been cleared for in ring action by WrestleMania, then he didn't think that it was ever going to happen within this company. And New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor have both really sort of indicated in the past that if Daniel Bryan were to come free from his contract in the WWE, that they would be more than willing to welcome him uh, into the fold uh, and allow him to wrestle again. So, you know, there there is, of course, the concern because he does have this, this history, but I'm also not a doctor uh, or a medical expert. So uh, I'm going based on their expertise uh, and the fact that they have PhDs to, to inform them on these areas. So if he's getting uh, the green light from doctors all over the place, pretty widespread. I don't think it's because they've taken his case lightly. Uh, I think that they've really looked at this and they think that he is in a situation where he is okay uh, at this point in time to go ahead and re-enter uh, professional wrestling as an active uh, in-ring participant. And I want to say for the record that I hope that is the case. I sincerely do. 
I don't want to be the person that uh, leans on the other side of the fence and, and be, and is that person, if something bad should happen, say, I told you so, I told you so, because I don't want to be that individual. I'm, I mean, like the I WWE, said, I mean, like, just to interrupt really fast, like, the WWE doesn't want to be those individuals either, which is why I think that they've taken so long and have been so deliberate in, in clearing him because, uh, if something were to happen, that's on them, you know, that they're responsible for, for giving him the green light. Their doctors are responsible for, for, for clearing him. So, so I think while he was able to get the, the clearance in the past from, from other specialists and neurologists, the WWE was was really the last one that that to go because of the fact that that he becomes a liability for them. And if they green light him, if they clear him too soon, or while he's still having complications, or he's still having symptoms, and something happens, you know, let's say he has a seizure in the ring, or or there are long term effects, then they would be responsible, and and they're not going to. They're not also going to put somebody out there who's going to sign medical waivers, uh, absolving them of any sort of responsibility either. So, so I think that until he really went around the world, uh, both literally and figuratively to get this clearance, uh, and then really have them take another look at his case and see that he was, I guess, by, by their medical standards, okay for what it is that he's going to do, then that's why that, that happened. So, you know, it's not that WWE necessarily sees this as, well, this is our last chance to get him in there before he leaves. I think a big part of it was just, they're not down for for being involved in medical malpractice in the long term. So, so I think that was that was really one of the other big factors that sort of came into play as to why now or why it took two years for the WWE to finally give him the thumbs up. Well, it definitely looks like he will be part of the WrestleMania card at this point in time, due to the fact that he was attacked by Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn upon his return to the ring or announcement of it, I should say. But it, that that leaves those questions. I mean, you and I are having this conversation because of the fact that there is a sudden shift in the thinking of where Daniel Bryan should be at for the rest of his career. And it looks like, for, for at least now, the, the WWE looks to be that place. Whether or not it was a good decision, only time will tell. I'm hoping that it will be. I'm hoping that he has that illustrious career that we all know that he should have and that Hall of Fame career that that he already is well on the way to doing. But there's going to be people like me. There's going to be skeptics out there, and there's going to be other people and other individuals that are just, whether it's through negative reasons or whether it's just someone like me who has a concern for his well-being there's going to be always some type of trepidation. And in fact, yourself, I can hear it in your voice when you talk about it, that there is, even though we are happy to see him in the ring, there's still a trepidation to be there. That's for sure. You know, the fact that the doctors are, are, are good enough with where he is uh, right now, I wish him well. I am, I am extremely excited about seeing him uh, as a part of WrestleMania, especially since it's in New Orleans, which is where he had his, one of his greatest moments of his, of his entire career at WrestleMania 30. And, I'm, and once again, I, I cannot reiterate this enough. I am just extremely happy for this guy being able to come back and do this thing that he loves because he's wanted it so badly and these things never happen. And uh, and and here it is. The impossible is becoming possible once again. 
This is true. And I, I definitely am in agreement with you. I am a very excited to see him back. But I, at the same time, I'm also very worried, very concerned. But then, like again, if he's been cleared all over the globe by neurological specialists all over saying that he's okay, if WWE has relented and said that he's okay, at this point, well, we got to run with it and just hope that nothing but good things happen for him and his future. Put the positivity out there. Rainbows and sunshine and positivity. It's all going to be okay. It all feels like it's going to be okay. It does indeed. Let's let's put those positive vibes out there for him because he's definitely going to need it over the next coming months when he gets back into the ring and each and every time he steps back into the squared circle. One last question before we go. we got a couple minutes left. want you, Billy, once again to tell everyone why the Intelligent Wrestling Conversation, the IWC is the best place to go for wrestling podcasts. I mean, because we talk about uh, wrestling intelligently. (laughs) Um, We we don't sit around and complain about the guy we don't like getting pushed or the guy we like not getting pushed. We try to break down things with some context, with some perspective to let you know why these things matter, why certain things don't matter, and, and also why you should care about certain things, like why the fabulous Moolah uh, having a, a battle royal named after her at WrestleMania was a horrible idea, and why there are, are people within the world of professional wrestling who lose your respect and maybe shouldn't be all that supported anymore. So, I mean, they're all, they're all sorts of things that we try to, to bring up into the, in the show. It's not just a show where we just recap everything that happened on raw or recap everything that happened on SmackDown, because let's face it, you already watched it. So why do you need me to talk about it for an hour? So we talk about, uh, you know, a lot of W, a lot of WWE, a lot of new Japan pro wrestling. So, so if, if that's sort of a blind spot for you, we can put that on your radar. But once again, the, the whole point of the show is to not be sort of wrestling fanboys who are, let's face it, they're just the worst. Uh, we try to elevate the conversation and do it with some smarts. And that's why uh, that's why we are intelligent wrestling conversation and not uh, smart marks yelling about Roman Reigns. And neither am I, I should say. It is, again, Billy Donnelly from the Intelligent Wrestling Conversation. You got to listen to his great program today on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Yes, and many more. yes, and, and, yes. yes. Yes! It's just so great, Billy, having you on the show. Can't wait to get you back on again. Maybe a post-WrestleMania wrap-up, if you choose. So it'd be great to have you on back again real soon. Well, we'll see if I still have a voice after New Orleans. So we'll we'll play that one by ear, because I I guarantee you when Daniel Bryan does come out, the vocal cords may just be shot. Yes, 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 indeed. Well, that's once again, Billy Donnelly from Intelligent Wrestling Conversation. You could check out his great program today on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Billy, it's been great having you a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. 
Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos. We cannot thank you so much for being part of the PCC Multiverse. I'm here along with my good friend, Josh Peterson, the Humanica Media. Thanks so much to Billy Donnelly of Intelligent Wrestling Conversation for being part of the program. And also as well, Rob McCallum from Rob McCallum Films and RobMcCallumFilms.com. Josh... We've been doing this thing with pop culture now, closing in on two years, two years of talking about it. Pop culture has been so much a part of our lives. But what if pop culture and all the things that we truly endear ourselves to was not a part of our daily, regular life? What would that be like for Josh, you know, as far as a life without pop culture and without all the things that you truly know and care about today? It would be a very boring life because my brain doesn't work. It doesn't work mechanically. It doesn't work, you know, in the way that an engineer or someone's brain would work. My brain works in, uh, you know, across the spectrums of the imagination. And if I didn't have stuff to uh, to kind of propel that forward, I don't know what I would do. I just curl up into a ball in a corner somewhere and just rock back and forth, I think. You know, because a, a lot of what I do, like even the stuff that I write is, is, uh, you know, it's in, not encouraged, but it's inspired by pop culture. You know, Vendetta Dark, that book, uh, it's inspired by detective novels and Spider-Man comics. And, you know, even Congratulations, You Suck is inspired by John Green writing Jonathan Tropper stuff, you know, 90s raunch coms. You know, it's all this stuff in pop culture is what keeps my universe circling around. So without it, like, you know, and even even still, like, growing up, nobody in my family really cared about anything pop culture. They're all super boring. They're all mechanics and engineers and stuff like that. So I was pretty much alone. And, you know, I, I look back and I think if I didn't care about pop culture, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be one of them. I wouldn't be one of the, like, a drone. But, like, I, at the same time, I don't know what my function in life would be be a terrible uh terrible existence you know just even you asking me this question just depressed me thank you (laughs) you're welcome i will say this for me there have been points in my life where i could not pay attention as much to what's going on in pop culture i could not go ahead and and enjoy certain things in my life because i know at some points in my life where i've had to work two or three jobs at the same time where my life was so focused on what I was doing or or had 50, 60, 70 hour work weeks, even more, those points in time, I had to stay focused on what I was doing and it was not able to utilize pop culture as what it was meant for. And that's such a great outlet for myself and a great way to connect with others. And it really wasn't until the growth of my daughter's who have come to love pop culture that I really gained a new life and a new reaffirmation of my, my interest in all things pop culture. Got to give credit to both my daughters for, for gaining and inspiring that. And also my wonderful wife for really getting me involved as far as from, from Lord of the Rings to all these also as well, her fascination love with Harry Potter, Twilight and, and other series like that. Her love and passion for those outlets of pop culture has inspired me to to seek the same in other aspects of pop culture. And and, and like I've said before, my girls were, became fascinated with the Marvel Cinematic Universe 
from an early age of their lives. And it only has given me inspiration to follow suit and, and thus become a major fan of the series as well. So uh, I cannot thank pop culture enough for being part of my life. In fact, if it wasn't for Lord of the Rings and J.R. Tolkien's work and the great movies that were made by Peter Jackson, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't have my wife and I wouldn't have my kids because that's something we, we bonded on as a husband and wife early on. And then also as well, we wouldn't have named our two daughters after characters within the Lord of the Rings realm. So pop culture has now become a great part of my life. I'm happy. I'm truly blessed to be able to talk about it with you and everyone out there twice a week on this great show of ours. So definitely it pleases me to, to no end, but there have been points in my life where pop culture, for whatever reason, could not be a, a, a focus in my life. And, and I look back upon those times and I think it was pretty dull. And without pop culture in your life, without something to really enjoy or an outlet for your for yourself and for your life and a, a way to escape it, it just makes life really boring, man. And just it makes life a process. And that shouldn't be what it's all about. Pop culture is there for you as an escape. And pop culture should always be there for you as a way to enjoy life and, and enjoy it to the fullest. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you so much for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. In a world where podcasters talk about the same old pop culture topics, two heroes must rise to bring forth a new era of podcast entertainment. The Cigar Nerds Podcast. Movie reviews, pop culture debates, news, science, and even beer reviews. We're stranger than stranger things and funnier than an evil sewer clown. CigarNerdPodcast.com Hey listeners, um, this is episode 18 of the What About This? Uh, this one, we are talking Disneyland. Um, I'm Keith. It's Travis. I'm Kyle. Producer Josh. <laughs> Kyle is just staring at me. That went a, it went it a, went weird, a weird way. way. It's, we're leaving it. It's yeah. fine. 
It's fine. It's dot um, com. <laughs> yeah. So we were talking as we were before we were recording this, and we wanted to try something new. So this month, we instead of having two separate podcasts because um, we started to record them on the same day, um, we recorded one longer conversation, and we're going to split it up into two parts. Um, part of the reason we wanted to do that is that we started this podcast as a way to get people, our listeners, you, our listeners, to have conversations. And we wanted to show that these conversations are sort of loose and they don't take place in sort of episode ways. Like we don't just take one topic. We kind of have gone all over the place pretty much since we've started having these conversations in real life three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to try to something that or try to something new and try to do it that way. Um, so the it's going to end on kind of a cliffhanger, this first one. So this is for the first part um, of our episode 18 for the month of March, I guess, is when it's going to come out. Yeah. So, um, so the first part was about Disneyland, and Travis and I were having a conversation a couple of weeks ago about um, how we don't really understand, or Travis really doesn't understand, when people say they hate Disneyland. And so we go from Disney, like talking about what what it means to do that, and then we go into some other things about um, who, you know, sort of what Disneyland represents and how it is um, helping us sort of discover our inner selves and our stripping down artifice and and sort of deconstructing some of the things, some of the barriers we put up. Um, And so that's going to be part one. And so we'll talk through that. And then towards the end, we start to get into some other things and then that'll be the part two of the episode. Um, And it's going to end there. So if you want to hear the rest of the episode, you'll have to come back whenever the second part releases. Um, Josh. This is like the Empire Strikes Back of uh, podcast episodes. Yeah. So it's going to end on a kind of a cliffhanger. Um, so hang with us, though. We are putting out the second part. We've already recorded it. It will come out. Um, but we wanted to show you how these conversations happen a little bit more naturally um, across the two episodes. So we hope you guys enjoy it. Give it, enjoy it. Give us some feedback on whether you think this works or not. Um, It'll be follow us on uh, Twitter at WAT underscore podcasts, like and uh, like us on Facebook, mm. rate and review us on iTunes. You can find us on all of the podcast things Stitcher, Podbean, podcast.com, all that. Beautiful. Welcome to What About This. Um, Travis and I were having a conversation two weeks ago about Disneyland. And Travis brought up that he doesn't understand when people say that they hate Disneyland. Uh, There's a lot of things that we talked about, but... Those are season pass holders at knots. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, and so this idea that like... Travis, you were saying something like, it's not that they don't hate Disneyland, they hate other things. That's usually what you're saying, right? Yeah, well, I guess I was thinking, how can someone hate Disneyland if you if you walk in, like, what is it that they hate? Do they truly hate Disneyland? So I don't think they really, when they say that, they mean I hate Disneyland, because I'm, I'm, I'm under the assumption that there's there's no way you can hate Disneyland. Right. Like, how do you hate, how do you hate it? And so I think, I, so then I started asking a question, like, do they hate people? Do they hate crowds? Do they hate themselves? <laughs> like what? Like what is it that is so off-putting to you? Like why are you so angry? Because usually when they go, they're like, oh, it's the worst, right? Like where is that? What is that? I, I would, I think it's more of, I think it. Uh, let me say this. I think it is majority, if not exclusively, 
males. <laughs> I, it's rare yeah. that I, you hear a woman say, like, oh, I hate Disneyland. Because it seems like they don't. I don't know. If you're a woman listening and you're like, I hate Disneyland, then you're the one. Yeah. Um, but it seems like it's like dads that are like, I hate Disneyland. And I think what it is, is it, plain and simple, I think they don't like being around people. Like that many that that like type of crowd, but the interesting thing too is then when they walk in and are almost like surprised, you know, like that Disneyland yeah. is crowded. You know what I mean? Do you think it has anything to do? Like you said, dad, think it has anything to do with like price? So the the mom goes, I want to go to Disneyland. The dad's like, damn it, I'm gonna have to bust into my kids' college savings <laughs> to get them all in there. Yeah, I mean, no, it could well, be, but but that's usually like I feel like never the the saying. And even like you said, dads, I go, well, that, this is my problem is people who aren't dads that hate it, mm-hmm. mainly males. And I'm like, are, do you have like some sort of like? Are you afraid that we're going to categorize you as something that you're so afraid of? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's like, you like Disney? Yeah. You're not a man? Right. And like this, so I, I don't know. I just, I, I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Now, if you say like, I can even, okay, I can even think, I could see if you say, I don't really like the rides at, I, I don't like rides. Yeah. Or I'm just not that interested. I could pay. I'm very and, neutral. And you can also acknowledge that there's a certain segment, like, and it's, this isn't a blanket statement, but like, 18 to 24 year old single dudes. Disneyland's not for you. Like, it's it's not built for you. It's not designed for you. Doesn't mean you can't like it. Doesn't mean you can't. But like, if you're in that age group and you don't like Disneyland, you can say like, nah, I'm just not a fan. But you can't. Say, why would you say? But see, I hate Disneyland. But I also look at those guys. It's for you, man. Go on a date. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Like, I mean, there's. But you're like, like, but, but, but you're, you're not s- going by yourself. Is what, what I'm what, saying. Um, Typically, <laughs> no. But a sing, I'm saying, like, think about that demographic. Like, there's a lot about as it a just, whole. Yeah, it's uh, fine if right. you want to go. Right. But there's under- nothing wrong with but it. But understand that they're not catering to what you right. want. Exactly. That's right. what, what, that's what see, I'm saying. I would even right. Push yeah. back is so I'm pushing back and saying, well, they're not not catering. You don't like churros? Yeah. Or bread bowls? Mm-hmm. No, I, <laughs> I no, there's a lot that they can't like there. What I'm, but what I'm saying is, like, that's the only thing I would say. I don't. I still don't understand the hate thing. That doesn't make any sense. But well, I can say, like, yeah, it's not for me. I'm not going to go. It's not, like, I may, take a, I may take a date there. I may, like, when I'm married with kids, I'll go. But, like, that's a different statement than saying, like, oh, I just hate Disneyland. It's like, what well, do you hate? You hate joy? You hate right. happiness? Like, <laughs> yeah. what do you mean you but hate they, Disneyland? But see, that's the deal. They don't associate it with it. Right. I also... You, you kind of... Kyle, as a season pass holder, that's right. Um, you yeah, for a long time, you uh-huh. would just go there and study. You yeah. would go there and hang out, walk around, and grab a coffee. Right, just because. Yeah, I would go and I would I would sit and do homework on Main Street. Mm-hmm. I had like a spot. I was trying to be part of like a crew uh, called the Couch Potatoes at one point. <laughs> it was. And what? How old were they? We were we were talking about high school graduations at one point. I was the only person in the group that had not graduated in the fifties. Nice. <laughs> that had not graduated high school in the 1950s nice. how do you fit the demographic would they and, have let you in and i think they would have let me in it's just that i think i like i stopped being as consistent they all had oh. really nice passes they all had like the thousand oh, yeah, dollar yeah, passes yeah, yeah. and so i didn't see them all summer and i think they forgot about me but all that <laughs> to say yeah but i'm not mad did they uh, have vests they had patches they on had no, no those are the disney gang no no what they did <laughs> those they are real were, i heard those are real yeah they were very simple they just had buttons that said "couch potato," uh, porch potato on them. Porch Slightly potato. More. Yeah, because it was a there's a porch. Where on, was your spot? 
there's a porch on Main Street that has these built-in wooden chairs, and they would just sit there on the porch and just hang. That's it why was, it wasn't couch potatoes. It's the porch yeah, potatoes. Yeah, did I say couch potatoes you before? Did, it's porch potatoes. That's what you, you are, right. and that's why you can do right. <laughs> That's right. Those guys might be listening, and they're going to come after you. Yeah, Uh-oh. and so <laughs> – sorry, Dave. Um, <laughs> and But the reason I would go, and I think like the reason why those guys go – and just because you would think like, oh, you're not doing anything, you just go and sit. It's because the the most plain way to put it is, it just feels good to be there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, like, yeah. And so this is I, that's you remind me is one of the things that I I also when people go, oh, you just like it because it's nostalgic, and I go, um, no, I actually don't think that's true. I think that could be a part of it, but. I'm saying that I think Disney's such a genius. Mm-hmm. And so this, so we had that conversation. Yeah. And then it, it was after I, I hadn't been to Disneyland for a little bit because I, I don't have my pass right now. I think, yeah, I don't think you've gone yet. In, but, but, in but so we were, we were going or I just had had this or conversation. Or you had just gone or something. I forget what, what it was. Same, same mm-hmm. I, so we, so, so Kyle, Kyle and his wife, um, they took me, my wife and, our our little guy so for his first time mm-hmm. and i'm having i'm i'm thinking through these conversations mm-hmm. i'm yeah. thinking through these recent conversations and so i'm very i'm 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 kind of looking around and i'm trying to feel and i'm trying to sense kind of like what's going on like how can you hate this place right now there's moments where i hate the way people walk right <laughs> I, yes and yeah. i and i and i hate i look at the lines and i choose i have a choice to walk by the line mm-hmm. get a fast pass Right. Or spend two hours in a line, and that's right. my choice. But like to say that, like the only reason I like Disneyland is because it's nostalgic. Like I just reject that. Yeah. There, there might be an element of that, but I go. Then you're saying that people who who have never gone as a child mm-hmm. can't go at fifty and enjoy it. Right. Right. Well, and I think there's also the sense that, and the, the other thing that we talked about, uh, one of the points I made was that I've never talked to anybody who's any sort of uh, artist, creative person. Uh, something like even engineer architect yeah. that doesn't isn't not doesn't isn't just like oh I like Disneyland but is fascinated with and just holds Disneyland to like such a high regard mm-hmm. and again there, again there might be people out there but most of the people I've talked to because from top to bottom what they do at Disneyland is at the top of its game right yeah. right uh, and my, we even talked about logistics like mm-hmm. the person who runs Disneyland manages Disneyland day to day like does the day to day operations can probably go to any major company and run, if not the whole company, a big part of their company. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I have a so my brother works for Disney and he made a great point is Disneyland is doing like a lot of kind of a lot of changes, a lot of more like a lot of like renovations. They're re theming some different parts, like they're doing they're changing Paradise Pier into Pixar Pier and all these different things. And there's a decent amount of people that were like up in arms about it because they didn't want it to happen because they're like, we like this and you know, we can't believe, you know, Disney is changing these parts of the park. And my brother made a good point. He said, when has Disney ever like set out to do something like within the parks or things like that and, and renovate or change something. And it wasn't great. Like to the, to the point where like, where like they changed it and you go into it and you're like, I don't really like this. You always walk in and you're like, this is perfect. Well, yeah. yeah and, and you can say, like, I, it's not what it was. That's right. the most people's like, I like the other thing better. Or you like but that you, land over that right, land. That's fine. Most people can't say, like, this is not well done. Right. You, you can't walk you in can't there and say, like, say it's not right. good. They, yeah. they yeah. didn't design this well. They didn't build it well. Like, right. 
You could yeah. prefer like the different theme, can, yeah. but maybe that's because of nostalgia. Okay, so, okay, that, so, that's what I would say. So that's here's worth. a good example on that. To, to both your points is, uh, what was the um, Swiss? Uh, the Swiss ch- the Swiss Family Robinson house. Yeah, was now the, Tarzan house. Okay, oh, yeah. it was yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where my nostalgic kicked in. I went, what like or um, or the fact that they closed Tumsor Island. Yes. is it closed? No, no, oh, it, but they rethemed it. They kind of rethemed it. It's like okay. pirate themed now. Oh, well, that's okay. Yeah, so there's all, so that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of having an opinion, you still right. have an opinion when you walk in, and and so so the a big part of it was to what you guys are saying is is. When has Disney ever done anything, and it was it wasn't excellent, it wasn't great, it wasn't right, it wasn't beyond, right. you know. Mm-hmm. And so I was bringing up this this theorist who talks about how how Disneyland is actually the only true reality. Mm. It's like the ultimate reality because it doesn't. His thing is it it, it doesn't pretend to be something that it's not. You don't walk in and think that that is an actual mouse. Yeah. You don't think Mickey's real. You know that there's a human being inside of a costume. And so they even have things like, what is it? Uh, What's Fantasyland? Fantasyland. Fantasyland. So they have, like the whole thing's a fantasy and you know that it's a fantasy. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of like, and Keith was saying something about like hyper reality. But what was fascinating to me was, this is, I think this... There's maybe off this rocker a little bit. What what are you saying about that in terms of like our everyday life? You know what I mean? Like, so yes, if you want to get into it. So this is a he's a he's a French theorist from the mid century, mid twentieth century. His name is Jean Baudrillard. He's he's uh, he, he was theorizing postmodernism, and I actually have. So it's from a work called The Procession of the Simulacra, which his whole thing is about simulation. Mm-hmm. So this idea that. The, the more we sort of progress, there's like a progression of imagery or images as we uh, as we sort of go forward in time. So there, here's like the phases of the image. Like so, an image will reflect basic reality. So it's a reflection. So there's reality, then the image sort of reflects it. It's not perfect. It's it's a little bit off of it. Um, and then it can mask and pervert basic reality. So we say, well, this this picture actually isn't reality. It's trying to keep me from reality. Um, and then this is where it starts to get weird. It starts to mask the absence of a basic reality. So it's like the image and any image, and this, this is a general term, so it can be any image, points to the fact that there really isn't a reality behind it. And then, and this is where he says Disneyland comes in on some level, is that there isn't any connection between the image and reality itself. Mm. Um, it's its own pure simulacrum or simulation. So he's talking about simulation. And I think this is a helpful quote from him. He says... Um, to simulate is to feign or to pretend to have what one hasn't. Right? So if we put mm-hmm. Disneyland through that prism. So here's his here's, here's other quotes on um, Disneyland. Where is it? It's, uh, hold on, this is great podcasting, I know. Um, so he says, the objective profile of America then may be traced throughout Disneyland, even down to the morphology of individuals and the crowd. All its, all America's values are are exalted here in miniature and comic strip form embalmed and pacified but this conceals something else and that ideological blanket exact uh, exactly serves to cover over a third order simulation and here's the i think the fascinating thing disneyland is there to conceal the fact that it is the real country all of real america which is disneyland 
uh, uh, all of real America, which is Disneyland, just as prisons are there to conceal the fact that it is the societal or the social in its entirety. Right? So he's essentially saying that Disneyland is essentially far... It, there's not only is there no connection to the real in the in outside of Disneyland, but Disneyland actually is real, and everything outside of Disneyland is what he calls hyper real. That's crazy. So we are, does Wait, that define hyper real? Yeah. So yeah. hyper real. Um, I should. Well, it's almost like it's it's yeah. It's, it's all a, so it's all a construct. So right. It, so he's pointing out. So here's what he's saying about Disneyland. He said Disneyland. It, he wouldn't say that it's real in the sense that it's like. Those are actual buildings. Those are actual apartments. Right. Or like, it's not an actual. It's not the actual Matterhorn. But what he's pointing out is that the fact that you can bring all of that together mm-hmm. to create this whole new world means that everything we do in the real world is a lot less real than we think it is. It's it, a lot less given. Is it's it, a lot less. It's all constructed just as Disneyland is. Is he is he almost saying like Disneyland is a place where you can like let your guard down? In terms of like um, in the world that's like you're always trying to like construct your life and and portray it as like maybe something more than it is or something it's oh, not. Oh, yeah. And Disneyland is a place where you can walk in and go like I know that this is all a fantastic version. Right. Of so things. you can act. You can be more yourself than you are out in the real world. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can go into Disneyland realizing it's all fake, meaning mm-hmm. it's all constructed. So his whole idea is that. Because Disneyland is artificial, mm-hmm. it's more real than the real world because the real world pretends it's not artificial. And you don't and he's question it, it you when you're there. It, right? He'll crazy. say it this way. The Disneyland Imaginary is mm. neither true nor false. It is a deterrence machine set up in order to rejuvenate in reverse the fiction of the real. Right? <laughs> so in other words, here's, here's the other one. <laughs> yeah. oh, here we'll go. Here's the end of that quote. In the, quote, real world, uh, to conceal it... Uh, it is meant to be an infantile world in order to make us believe that the adults are everywhere in the, quote, real world and to conceal the fact that real childishness is everywhere, particularly amongst those adults who go there to act the child in order to foster the illusions as to their real childishness. Mm. So he's saying that we all are really childishness outside of Disneyland, but we go to Disneyland to act out that childishness, and that makes Disneyland far more real than when we're outside of Disneyland. Because what you're doing in Disneyland when you're like skipping around with yeah. like eating a churro, that's like really what you, that is like, that is yeah. really like what you want to be doing. No, all the time. Like, like that is your You're pretending not to be that you're pretending. So, you're so every day that you're outside Disneyland is you just pretending that you are not the person who skips around with right. a churro. Yes. With, yeah, so he's saying all we do outside of Disneyland is put on artifice. Yeah. And we go into Disneyland, which is presumably artifice in, incarnate like it, it is artificial. it deconstructs it's fully the false artificial self, right? how many it things never are pretends you, not to be artificial but how many things are you then allowed to admit that you like inside disneyland the outside right. disneyland that you just okay. keep you, you you're just share. holding it all in okay. so tightly wait wait so the people who <laughs> that is great that just blew my mind <laughs> <laughs> i'm still processing that right now josh, but, when's the last josh, time you, you, josh you are real josh when's the last yeah. time you've been to disneyland uh two years ago i need to go back just, yeah. Josh is trembling right now. <laughs> Mike shaking. I'm, just, I'm never going to see things the same again. Mm-hmm. But okay, so to the earlier point we made about people who say they hate Disneyland, do you think that Ooh, those people spend? Okay. Uh, <laughs> do you think they spend a majority of their time in there trying to build up defenses to those? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think uh-huh. they're, absolutely. they're coming into Disneyland and they're saying like, "Look, this is too real for me. That I, I'm exposed." This exposes my inner self way too much, and so I'm going to hate it. So well, it, it it exposes the false self that you've been constructing right, exactly. outside of Disneyland. That's the fascinating part about it is we act like we have this is real, 
and we're not putting on something. And Disneyland basically, in breaking down in simple terms, is it deconstructs all the masks that you wear. Right. Exactly. Dude, this this reminds me of thinking about, and I won't go. I'm not going to go too much into it because it's pretty crass. But it reminds me of like dude, the Bill Burr sketch when he's like, and you're a man, and so you have to act a certain way, and somebody comes around with a puppy, and like all you want to do is just hug that puppy, yes. but you can't because like that's not what men do. Right. Yeah, that and and that's and, that, and that's fear. why I was pointing out that that like there's a certain part, segment of the population, 18 to 25 single dudes that say they hate Disneyland because they think it's not for them because of the artifice of Disneyland placing that it places on it, meaning it, mm. you come in and it's all. It's all light and pink and princess and king and okay, so, but, okay. but so those guys want to be Prince Charming. Yes, and they so want to be Prince here's Charming. The, here's, and, here's what... and they go out in the real world and they're not because they're like I, I can't be that because that's whatever social construction has told them they can't be right. Because mm-hmm. to be Prince Charming is to buy into fantasy and things that they don't. And and the real the real mind trip of it is they just displace that out of Disneyland into other things. Yes. Well, that's which like we can talk about. when you have yeah. an individual like <laughs> on a dance floor and they're trying not to dance, but their arms will start going and they have to like put yeah. it back yeah. down. It's yeah, fear. <laughs> yeah. Their slogan is "Come to Disneyland and find out who you really are." Yeah, yeah. right. Oh, yeah. Geez. Well, but so here, here's I, I not a whole lot of research, but I guarantee you this is going to hit home for everyone, especially if you had little sisters or little brothers mm-hmm. who are watching the latest Disney movie, aka. Beauty and the Beast, and you and your brother had to say this movie's so stupid. And all of a sudden, you're singing oh, yeah, yeah. every song sitting right, on the couch with your little sister, it's Travis. A, it's a tale as old as yeah. time. <laughs> literally, yeah. literally, no, yeah. Right. And you go, and you're going like this, and you look over and, at your brother, and you go, "We still hate this, right? right. Like, Why were we rejecting <laughs> how then, much we love it? We have goes, to watch it one more time to make sure how much we hate it, right? Yes. <laughs> and then After your sister goes, every day. Like, "I we just have to watch it one more time. I gotta say how much I hate it. I gotta find out one more thing." Your sister goes, "Okay, we can turn it off." And you're like, "Well." I mean, we're already this far into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like, like we'll always she, be there. She, she's like, yeah. the credits just roll. Yeah, like, we're, 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 we're getting that, That's part. the title screen. We're, just, we're, we're far enough into it. <laughs> it's it it's it's insane. Actually, it's yeah. actually it's it's kind of schizophrenic if you think about well, it. Because oh yeah, yeah. we're pretending we're sitting there pretending to be two people. And Disney knows, well, and, and they know and because they, the, because there's like right. Disney movies. That even you as an adult, you see that and you go like, that's that you know that's that movie like you know maybe maybe. You know, when you have kids, you can buy that and watch it. And Disney is sitting there going, "I know you wish you could buy yeah. that right now." Well, and and this they, is and, and you will buy it. Yeah, in they a couple go, years when you have kids. This is the other yeah, thing we talked you. about too. Uh-huh. The other thing we talked about was how good Disneyland is, or not even Disneyland. How good Disney is at, and this is a term that some critics have used, but Disney is at Disneyfying things, like mm-hmm. of making sure that the thing they produce is Disney. And I, I think we can use sort of. This idea of this the simulation, how good they are at understanding that what they're producing is that sort of stripping down of artifice, right? Mm-hmm. By producing artifice, right? So that's that's the truth of what they do is that they're like, we're gonna put something out there that we know is fake and pretend in order to get you to realize that you're stop pretend you, you can stop pretending. Mm-hmm. Whether they state that that way or not is not the point. But we were talking about how good they are at their culture, at Disney culture. Producing, reproducing what it's trying to do, which is, which I think, is yeah, what this thing I, is. I think one of the questions. Well, maybe we could even a little uh, tap into people who hate Disneyland, like right. a little bit more. But what I think they they um, 
their ability their ability in in kind of what you're saying right. and there uh is the whole deconstructing right. the self that's why you have these disney gangs and you have guys that look like they're about to get on and they probably are i don't know harleys they look they um they bear the image of a scary person and they're the nicest tatted up group of people and they have all these different um these different Disney gangs, mm-hmm. and they actually have been known for stopping, um, say, a drunk guy in the park from doing something stupid, right? right? And so, like, so even in that is, it's it's calling out that very narrative about what it means to be a man right. in that in that regard, mm-hmm. which I find very right. fascinating. Yeah, uh-huh. and I, I so I think one of the things, like, so let's go back to the, my my yes segment of the population, eighteen to twenty four year old. Why I know that Disneyland is so good at what they do is because they did the thing to target that group specifically. They bought the rights to the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. And they turned them into Disney products. If you look at the Disney Marvel movies, they are not comic book movies. Right. They are Disney Marvel movies. The action adventure. Yeah. Right. Action yeah. Because comedy. if you read comic books, they're a lot darker, a lot more violent, a lot mm-hmm. harsher. And, and a lot more... A lot more sex. Well, yeah, yeah, sex and, and it, there's, it just, there's all this and, yeah. and there's all this stuff and, and there's you know like, comic the comic world is a lot more volatile than the Disney Marvel movies will have you believe. And they've turned and right. now they've turned Marvel into like a family product. Right. But so and yet those same eighteen to twenty four year old dudes that say they hate or women or you know, girls too, I'll, I'll include them, but that say they hate Disneyland will go see the, the they, the they new Black Panther. They, they'll yeah. go see Ar- Avengers: Infinity War because it's playing into that part of their artifice that they that they're seeking to strip down. So that's what's that's what that's what uh, you remind me of is the 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 genius behind Disney is they can both take on Star Wars, right? They could where they take over and Pixar seems a little bit more like you could go, yeah, that's Disney. Mm-hmm. But when I think Star Wars, I don't think. Disney. Oh, that's right. We right. did talk about this. But but when I walk into Disneyland, I see Star Wars. They don't take away from the Star Wars brand, right? Right. But the Star Wars brand, if you will, or Disney is able to Enhance. bring yeah. Star Wars underneath their yeah. umbrella, and you don't flinch. Right. And I go. There's a genius in that mm-hmm. that right. you're you're able to take on yeah. Marvel, and and aren't they? Where's is it? Aren't they creating a whole lane? Uh, Star Wars land. Well, yeah, Star, Star Wars, Wars land within Disneyland. They've yeah. done stuff in. Disneyland but what about California? Cal- they're doing. Oh, they're changing all of. I mean, Tower yeah, of Terror to yeah. The they're Guardians talking the about. I think it's going to be all of the Hollywood area is going to be Marvel, right? Okay, so yeah. so and no one's no one's going to be upset about it. No one feels like it yeah. doesn't. No one feels like that within Disneyland doesn't make well, sense. Yes, that's that, the key. Not yes. only that's that, the key. yeah. But now we're going to have a generation of people that will always connect Disney with Star Wars, and right. Star Wars was nowhere near Disney back then. No. Like, well, there were they were distinct worlds. They you know like, why? Because Disney didn't create it, right? <laughs> right. But yeah. what I'm saying is like, well, that's the other thing we can talk about. How Disney doesn't often. I don't want to say Disney isn't original. What they the stories they produce aren't original. The way they do it is original. But like, they wait to see if something is successful and then they yeah, make it the, Disney. Except yeah, Harry, absolutely. Except, except but, Harry Potter, which well, they kind of right. messed up on that but, one. But the whole point. Yeah. But my my point being is like. You're right. They don't. We never would have connected Disney and Star Wars. But as soon as Disney bought Star Wars, everybody in the world was like. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, yeah, like, that's yeah fine. okay. And yeah, also, no, I get it. Also, too, when you go into like Disneyland, you see Star Tours. You're you don't not you don't just want to go on the ride. You want right. to fully immerse yourself in that world. You're like, just take me, take yeah. me. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. Well, and so that's that's the great thing. Like what you're saying, Travis, is that is that 
Star Wars was birthed so apart from Disney, but yet now it being under Disney, like when you walk into the park, doesn't seem weird. It doesn't, right. it doesn't seem, seem yes. like, why is Star Wars in Disneyland? It just seems like, oh, it's like, it's a, this is what's happening. Yeah, the, yeah it's, it's, it, and almost, almost, this is, this is eerie. It's almost like it's always been there. Right, like right. The, that's what's like, 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 like it's like it's finally like it's finally home. Like right. it's finally in its right place. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah like it, I didn't re- flinch. You realize you never thought of them together, but you realize as soon as they place them next to each other like, "Oh, I guess I kind of always did think of them together." And you're like, "Disney, I'm glad you have Star Wars to like take care of it how it should be taken right. care yeah. of." Yeah. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Okay, so uh, just real quick, I want to touch back on your point about the gangs. Do you think like in the theory that mass creates mass, do you think in Disneyland, like these sub realities create more sub realities? So you're creating like you have your gang and you're you're just completely different people in this world. And same thing with the porch guys. Mm-hmm. You're like you're creating all of these little sub realities inside this sub reality. So you can basically be anybody you want to inside of this Disneyland park. Well, well, I, well I think, um, yeah, maybe. I think with the when they think about the gangs, right, or mm-hmm. the porch potatoes. You know, or just you going in there and being these guys. This is this is who they are. They're tatted up. They look. They 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 have the look that society would say. Ooh, those guys look scary. Mm-hmm. Um, again, because we stereotype negatively, right. positively. Yeah. And I think I think they're actually really great guys on and off the court, if you will. So they come in Disneyland. That's you know that isn't a front. They don't go. They, they don't like put on tattoos before they go in there. Yeah, right. you know they are tatted up, and they probably are bikers. I don't know, but they're yeah. like family men. Like, and so you, you kind of go. Um, I, I don't. I don't know if there's. Um, you're saying sub. You said sub realities or sub. So yeah, like we have in Disneyland, you have all these sub realities, all these different lands. But yeah, inside these lands, we're creating. I, I don't know, like communities, but it's like. Uh, it's not like. A community that lasts outside the park, but it's a community inside the park, and I guess your own little sub reality within those sub realities. Yeah, guess. I mean, those guys have been written up in OC Weekly. Like, they, mm-hmm. people know about them, so <laughs> they, they, they. There's, a, lo- there's a lawsuit. So, there's a lawsuit going on between two gangs right now. But so here's the here's <laughs> yeah. the weird thing about that, and back to our other point about the the function of Disneyland, the artifice in Disneyland is an ability to strip down those. How many of those guys do you think associated with each other outside of Disneyland first? I don't know. How many of you think um, that those oh, yeah, guys I, knew each other? They, they did. They um, did. I, I yeah I, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure these are groups of friends. I don't know if they have like recruiting in Disneyland. <laughs> well, no. I guess what I'm saying is like so that the, the Disneyland gang existed first inside Disneyland before it existed outside Disneyland. <laughs> you, you gotta you gotta patch that, in that through was my knowledge point. of my the point classics. Is like, these guys weren't a Disneyland gang. Got it. Into Disneyland. They formed the Disneyland gang in. So, in terms of this idea of hyper real, of Disneyland being more real, that truly the Disneyland gang only exists in Disneyland. See, that's that's what I'm asking. Okay, that's, yeah, that is a great, yeah, it's good that you had covered it because to your question is yes, um, because they couldn't do it outside, they had to do it in there because it was safe. And it was acceptable. It was acceptable. Because Mm -hmm. outside they had to put on the artifice of not being a gang. Because that's yeah. not acceptable in real life. And that's what what's his name would say, basically. Yeah, he's what, saying like uh, they can. Oh, str- how do you not Baudrillard? Uh, Baudrillard, Baudrillard, right? Yeah. So he quotes Bordeaux in this. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, they're all kind of yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so one of the things, that, one, something that I was really sensitive to is we sat, we just sat down at the vineyard. Is mm-hmm. that what is the vineyard? That and oh and, yeah, and and so I was tripping out because I was looking and the sun was setting. It was about five p.m. and I went, I'm. Where we go? I'm what do you say? I think Kyle goes. We're in Tuscany. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, it was 
It was insane. So, so to mm-hmm. this point of hyper, like I also think that when you walk through, mm-hmm. and and it was interesting because it was almost like the first time that I was more focused on someone else experiencing Disneyland mm-hmm. than myself because it was my my son's first time. Right. And um, but I was also very observant. I was walking through in these trees, and it's almost this is what I wish life was like. Right. It is like all the all my ideals right, right. are wrapped into. One like the main street. Even right. when we walk, when you walk into California and you have the farmers market and it's this very LA right, Hollywood shops and, like and you just go, this is this is how I imagined it to be. Mm-hmm. This is what I want in my life. And then I had this moment when I went, I gotta drive back home tonight. Right. Like I'm not staying in California, uh, the California hotel. Yeah, the Great like, California. Yeah. Like I, I like what, there's something in uh-huh. me that desires this like ideal, right? right. And right. they almost kind of go, "This is it." And right. so, is that <laughs> why you think that you have these families too that like they're so exhausted by the end of the day, but like they also don't want to leave, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, as you're walking away, like you go through downtown Disney, you're going to where the trams are. Do you ever have that moment where you're like, you can feel parts of your imagination slowly decaying? <laughs> yeah, as you like, reach the because you lot? have to because you have to get back to that fake self now. Right. You have says, to like, put the I'm mask back, back on. I'm back in the parking structure, and I need to be a certain way now. So much yeah. so that the was the not the mon- is the monorail or the tram. The tram's a ride, but all of a sudden when you're on it, you have to act professional. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. act like an adult. Oh Sam. yeah, the the so the monorail like there's always like you be like oh like if the family's in there with kids, they try to take up as little, little amount of space as possible, don't run around. They're in the park, like their kids are running into you. They're just oh yeah, just by you. biting like, my ankles. <laughs> yeah. But like in the but in the monorail, they're like no, we have to act. But Explained, so we have yeah, to act. like it's like they've put like as soon as those pneumatic doors you know. Psh, Mask goes back on. <laughs> so, yeah. but so you enter. It's almost like to your point is that they're there all day. They're exhausted. They're willing. It's almost like you're going there in search of something, right? Not right. just let's go have fun because mm-hmm. you can go have yeah. fun with a three year old anywhere, <clears throat> right? But it, and you can go. Well, are you trying to capture what happened to you at three at thirty three right. now? Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't know. I don't really buy that. Um, and so I almost feel like to the point of like, why do grown 50 year olds love it and grown 25 year olds because there's it. another to the, the other corollary to the flip side of your question of like I don't, or your statement I don't get why people say they hate Disneyland there's a part of me that that doesn't trust someone who's too into Disneyland either <laughs> I'm like okay like you know that you can't stay there right you know that like so there's a part of me that's like that's also I mean because in order, if you buy into it too much, you've bought too much into artifice again, and you're just yeah. like, that's also not real. Yeah. Like, so there's yeah. another side that so, you, so, so, you can cross okay, the, so then the Rubicon. In, in some way, what are you looking to escape? Yeah. Or what yeah, are you looking exactly. to find? Yeah, exactly. Like, what do you, if there's a part where you go too far, and you're like, you, you've just become this other person now that's not, that, that's pat, gone past your sort of childish desires. Now you're yeah. trying to become another person. And you're like, that's still not the thing you're supposed to be doing. Do you do you think that has anything to do like people who are there pretty much every day, like they have a hard time coping with reality? Well, that's going to be a problem with what we're talking about because 
we would say that what's outside of Disneyland isn't more real than what's inside Disneyland, but... We're not necessarily even saying that, but right. we're saying there's something yeah. interesting going on yeah, that, that, exactly. that Disney there's has... There's still something that you're trying to... You haven't... In fact, there, you could almost say that, that you haven't... If you were too into Disneyland, you haven't truly understood Disneyland on some level, because like Disneyland is there to help you strip artifice down, not build more artifice up. Yeah, yeah. And so if you're trying to do that, then maybe you are... I mean, you can't make a blanket statement no, on course. everybody, right? right. That like, there just certain... because you really enjoy it. Because there can be people who go there every day to really try to understand. The... It's weird, but you think like they really are trying to understand themselves better by going to Disneyland every day, right? It's mm. like a form of therapy for them, well, right? Yeah, right. or even if you went once a week, that's pretty mm. intense. Right. And you have a guy like um, Bob Goff, author yeah, um, right. of Love Does, He he like... He goes to where does he go? His office hours. Tom, he, Tom Sawyer's Island. Yeah, and he's like, "Hey, if you uh, want to come see me, my office hours are but, on." But it's such a brilliant move. I'm thinking about that now in the context of this conversation. Like, hey, such never a brilliant has to have move. office hours. Well, one never has to have <laughs> office hours, but even as someone who has to hold office hours, students will come into my office, understanding that there's a certain interaction, there's a certain sort of artifice to our, there's a certain role they have to play when they come into my office. It's mm-hmm. student. I have to be studious. You have an have office. To, I do. Oh, yeah. wow. at, at one of my campuses I teach at. I All right. Moving on. Um, so he does that. So he goes into Disneyland, and I don't know if this is his reason. It could be. But he goes into Disneyland. Mm. As soon as those students cross the threshold of Disneyland, they drop what they drop the role of student. Ah, they're faced with the false. And so mm. they come to they come to Professor Dr. Goff? Professor uh, Bob. Bob. No. <laughs> they come to Bob. Whatever. Yeah. They come to, they go to they go across. So they, they not only do they have to cross the threshold, which is one barrier that sort of reduces. Then they cross the river to go then to Tom Sawyer Island, which is a whole other... So now they're deep. Yeah, so they've gone to literally the heart of Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been able to... I just thought of an analogy between this and the heart of darkness. <laughs> it's <laughs> not there, but I'm life. just saying... So, but they're going farther and farther in to just strip themselves of this artifice of student, of of... Understand, and they, he's reduced. He's he's done away with the the professor student relationship, and they can be open and honest with him because he's been stripped. As right, because he he's also the same thing. He's gone. Yeah. He's gone ahead. He's already there. They already understand that his artifice is stripped down, and so they can now meet him in, in an equal place, and they can have a more fruitful discussion about their work. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be my guess of why why he does that. I, that and I guarantee, if we ask him, he would. He would let us know. Yeah. <laughs> so all of like the walls that you would have up normally, they're completely dismantled mm-hmm. by the time you get to him and have yeah. that conversation. Yeah. And then yeah. he goes, "What do you want?" And this is why, <laughs> so, like, so you I, can't. Yeah, because you can't even see the outside. No. Right. Yeah. And so there's a sense of like there were there 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 have been times in my teaching career where I've gone out, I've taken the class outside and to have out conversations, and they're almost always really good conversations because mm-hmm. they they're outside the walls of the classroom, which is we think that's where quote real learning happens right but there's no more reason it can't happen in a in like a, a, an outdoor amphitheater on steps outside of you know in a lawn on you know people with st- i've literally had students in hammocks um and we've had fruitful lit- conversations about deep conversations about literature and it's i think partly because we've been able to strip the artifice of the classroom away and they would think that's not a real classroom out there. It's like, why not? Yeah, why? why? Or is it that's the no real less classroom? Real. It's no less real than than what we did inside. We built a, we you know, I and mean, we can talk about the history of education and why we're in inside. 
um, it starts in England, which is cold most of the time. So mm-hmm. not in the Odyssey. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't start there. <laughs> Good reason for. Or not in England, but Germany. It starts in Europe, and anyway, it's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there's a reason why we tend to put up walls and we, we tend to act the role of student and I act the role of professor. And if we can strip those down, sometimes it's better for, for a conversation with the student when I can, it's not that I'm not the professor in that moment. It's just that we can stop pretending that, the, that there are certain things that we have to do and certain things we don't have to do mm. and certain things we can't talk about and certain things we can talk about. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're creating a new space that they're mm-hmm. unfamiliar with yet they've become more themselves and you get maybe even more out of them. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you said, like, when when did they first start, what, education and classrooms? Well, if or you whatever, think about, yeah, the classrooms. Is, it's, I think it's almost more the meaning we give right. that classroom as yeah. if it's the, the most ideal place to learn. Mm-hmm. Because that's what we've, we've, yeah. just, we've decided. Yeah, we've decided that this is where learning happens. So, even though it doesn't have to happen only there. Yeah, or it happens better. Right, or That's it happens it. right. Mm-hmm. So they they think that this is On where quote, this is where real learning happens. Yeah, and, and you're like, what? just like we would say, like outside of Disneyland is the real world, and inside the Disneyland is the artificial world. And it's like that if you think about the classroom, it's it's a little bit more artificial mm. than outside the classroom. Well, and purely on say inspiration alone, right? So even that right. was that was my thing with is how can you hate Disneyland? Again, is I don't even really think they mean that. You know, if, if you're if you really dug deep, like what, what's going on, man? Right. Like, yeah. Um, you you know, think like they crowd, fear it? Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe on a deep subconscious. Like, well, it's not, fear, it could, there's not a bunch the, of things it could be feeling, but yeah, not like, the place itself, but it's the same people who go to see a movie like Star Wars and like, there's no way that can happen, man. There's no way. Instead of just like opening their their mind to and appreciating <laughs> it for what it is, instead yeah. of what reality says it should yeah. be. Yes. So so you go there and like he said earlier is. is any artist or creative mind um, you walk in there and you're just it's inspiring that they were able to pull this off even with like their ability to create the depth Mm -hmm. and to make you to make you almost feel like I'm here aren't I right (laughs) like I'm in this right place and so you go what sort of vision does that uh, architect have or whoever is involved Mm -hmm. in that 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 process and in Disney World Right, is a whole. Well, other it level. literally is a miniature world. Like they, the, just, yeah, that they like. You go on like freeways outside of freeways. The uh, <laughs> outside of like the parks, and like you're still on Disney property. You know what's funny too is yeah. like if you think yeah. about that. What's interesting about that is that Epcot is the inter- What's the international one where they have Epcot? All, the, Epcot where they have the World's Fair. You, they've equated that with the the Animal Kingdom one and with mm-hmm. the, the Disneyland version. Like so, they've equated the literal real world. With all of these other fake worlds already, but it's also so good that now I feel like I don't need to travel <laughs> because, like, <laughs> well, and yeah, like, yeah. I've been to I went to fifteen countries today, right? <laughs> um, so, but what Simulate. I think what happens, yeah. what what I do think is interesting is about this idea that as we progress, sort of in this sort of towards this idea of the simulation, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I've realized because we did talk about Disney culture yeah. and how Disneyland is not selling me a product, like mm-hmm. Disneyland is if they're not interested in selling me like. Because the, the product, if you want to get down to the brass tacks, like the product is like either the ticket or the churro or the corn dog, mm-hmm. like or like the the t shirt. But they're not interested. In, they don't care about that. Right. Whether I ever buy a t shirt from Disneyland, they don't. They don't care. They're selling me 
they're selling me the real. They're selling me that the the brand. Yeah, they're selling me that. They're selling me the 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 the, the, the concept of Disneyland or like the experience. Right, the experience, that... the emotions. That's what they're truly selling. Right. All right, all right. That's it. That's all I have to say okay. about that. Well, guys, you can find this podcast on iTunes, podcast.com, Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, and uh, anywhere you can get podcasts from. Mm. Also, we have an email address, which is... Do we have an email address? Do we have an email? No, we don't no, have No, we have a Twitter. <laughs> what about this? <laughs> we have um, a... <laughs> W-A-T underscore podcast. That's us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. At W-A-T underscore podcast. You can reach out to us and follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. Talk to us. We like us to rate and review us on iTunes. That's that way. Like it sort of it it reaches more people. The more people that rate and review us, and it allows us to sort of keep doing this. We want you guys to get involved. Yeah. Also, if you're organized, maybe you can join the team. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A year later, we didn't know if we had an email. (laughs) If you've got a if you've got a knack for gentlemen and emails. Boy, do we have an opportunity. Again, that is a wide net. I don't know what we want to catch. Boy, do we have an opportunity for you. Just, what is the Venn diagram of people good with gentlemen and emails? 100%. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Fill this position yet. Yeah. I'm just trying to cast a wide net, and so we'll have a lot of opportunities. We're going to get ZipRecruiter.com. Facebook's targeting targeting algorithm would not be helpful here. Yeah. One, two things are you looking for? We desperately need some behind the scenes work, though. Someone who likes emails. (laughs) Oh, all right. Uh, All right, guys. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Frank here from Super BS. Talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know. Join us weekly for a podcast about video games. Mostly.